Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. Today's guest on Leave Your Mark is Rich Latanzi. He is the mayor of Claritin and a cancer survivor of two different types of cancer, one in the neck and throat and the other in the colon. Rich, thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, you getting over your cancer diagnosis, I kind of want to do a backstory here and let people get an idea who you are, uh, where you're from, and what kind of background you have with your family, your upbringing. So if you would, please kind of explain to me, um, you're born and raised in Clareton and take it from, uh, say, your childhood, about 10 years old. Okay. Uh, yes, I was born and raised in Clareton, and I came from an average to a poor type family. Uh, my father worked in a foundry, and uh, he was laid off more often than when he worked. And, uh, you know, I lived by the Clareton Park. Uh, I kept myself busy, and we went to Catholic school. We never had a fancy house or a fancy car, but we all went to Catholic school. Uh, we had good family values, and, and the family was tight. And going to Catholic school, you know, I guess we learned about God and about how to treat right, people right. So, uh, you know, I eventually played sports, a little like baseball and, uh, you know, some things in the neighborhood. And uh, it was an Italian-type family. Uh, we all lived together in the same location. Spaghetti dinners, big parties, and uh, family was tight, you know. Maybe a glass of wine once in a while. <laughs> so the, the family outings were, now, it, according to that time in the, the lifestyle in Pittsburgh, a lot of families like yourself were from over in Eastern Europe and come over and were beginning or forging a new life for their families moving forward. Now, you were a one of four children. Uh, your only boy, you had three sisters. That is correct. And then you, in your youth, you were went to St. Elizabeth High School, but then you were an athlete and you went over to Clarington and uh, you're playing hockey. Correct. So yeah. how long did you pursue the athletics after that and that graduation as you're getting out into the real world? Uh, after graduation, I, I still played uh, what they call deck hockey and I probably played about 15 years of uh, softball. Once my children got to the age where they were able to play sports, I stepped my life aside and, and then I, I created my career on with them and helped them through the transition and coaching and all the other stuff. And I've been doing it ever since. My kids are way older than that. And I still do T-ball. It's been 23 years. Wow. Now you kind of share with me your, you were an athletic director while you were forging your family mm -hmm. and then a baseball coach as well. And this kind of bleeds into uh, I believe your community participation as we hear your story unfold. So as an athletic director, what, how long did you do that? What, what were your responsibilities over there? Okay, it was a Catholic school. It was in Clareton, St. Clair of Assisi, athletic director for about five or six years. And it was about putting the sports programs together, the basketball games. Uh, there was tournaments that were held there. And a lot of parents spent many, many hours of volunteer time to keep the school going. And our basketball program grew and grew. And we had people coming from all over the Pittsburgh area to get in our Christmas tournaments. It was a little uh, church-type gym converted into a basketball court, and it was really cute. But I did that for five or six years, and we kept the school going for the longest time. And the more we raised, the more the diocesan told us we had to raise more. Also, at the same time in the summer, I also was participating in baseball with my children. I was on the board of the baseball and also a coach. And uh, people were saying that there was not enough stuff for the kids to do. And the athletic, uh, uh, the ball fields and the uh, basketball courts were in deplorable condition. 
they wanted somebody to get a counsel and kind of say, hey, we need some help. So nobody wanted to do it. I guess I was that guy. I went to a council meeting and gave a speech about the kids being the future of our community. And we needed to do something better for them. We're not doing enough. And uh, I got a call a couple of days later about how much of an inspirational speech that was. And I said, that was no speech. I didn't even have a speech. It would come from my heart. And they said, we need somebody like you to be involved. And I said, I don't know anything about politics. And the guy said, exactly. We don't need any more politicians. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. Wow. So this is uh, takes us up to about when? 2010? No, no. Um, I actually started in, uh, in uh, as a council person in 2002. I became okay, so mayor, you... the mayor in 2010. All right. So you were familiar with the local community through the school and the athletic department as well mm -hmm. as this community stuff. So that, that, that turned into almost a natural progression. Now, how did you feel about being asked to be the mayor of Clareton? Um, it was just overwhelming. Um, I, I was citizen of the year in 2016 because I I wrote a grant with, Reverend, uh, with Governor Rendell's office and was able to get new sports lighting at our Little League field and new concession stand. And uh, they had a big party for me, uh, you know, Citizen of the Year. And I guess my popularity grew. And obviously, I'm an honest guy. And there's some other people with special interests, you know, maybe didn't like the way I was running government. So I've always had competition. But, you know, with the will of God, I haven't lost an election in 17 years. Well, you've been there quite a while now. So you're you're making local news with the strides you're making in that community. And it sounds like it's just all from your heart. Um, now, with being in there, uh, you're, you're saying your, your children are getting older. You're kind of moving forward here that while you're the mayor, uh, you have some family tragedies happen here. And uh, you recently end up losing your sister to bladder cancer. And what was in 2016? Yes, that's correct. And that was probably the most horrible thing that ever happened to me. Uh, you know, my family, unless one of my relatives was an aunt, uncle that was very old, that was the first time that we actually had someone in my family that had cancer. And my mom and dad are still alive and healthy, and it must be like a third generation thing. But my sister Debbie, uh, she came down with the bladder cancer, and she went through some treatments and had surgery. And they said, oh, we believe that we pretty much got it all. And uh, I got married in 2015. She was in my wedding. Beautiful. I mean, she looked beautiful. She looked healthy. Three months later, she started having stomach issues, like she was having stomach aches and things that she ate made her sick. Went back to the doctors and they said it just grew, you know, 10 times, tenfold. And her whole stomach was full of the cancer. And it was, it set us back years. My whole family, uh, even to this day, we get together for uh, family events, Christmas, Easter, you know something's missing, and to see her children there, they look like, you know, they're lost without their mom. It was just a sad thing and a shocking thing it's for the whole family. Terrible. Now, um, when this happens, it, you're a tight-knit family, so you're probably regrouping and um, helping one another out, and shortly thereafter, you find out that you got cancer. That's correct. In 2018, I simply went to the doctor because I was having some back issues. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, let, let's take a, a picture, an x-ray, see what's going on. So anyway, we, I think it wasn't an x-ray. It was more like a CAT scan or, or so on and so forth. And a couple things showed up on this scan. And he said, listen, it's probably nothing, but I want to go ahead and do a PET scan. We need to do something a little bit better. So we did it with contrast, and I went there for the test. 
only thing I was really ever feeling was maybe a little bit tired and maybe some headaches here and there, but I thought that was because of all the stress of my life. So when I went back with the uh, follow-up with the doctor, he said, hey, you better sit down. He said, I got bad news for you. He said, you got cancer. And he said, more than one, one type of cancer. He said, you have neck and throat cancer and you have cancer in your colon. And he said, where do you want to start? You know, I was in shock. I mean, I'm by myself. I'm a strong guy. I never expected to hear that. I didn't know anything about cancer. I didn't even know where to start. And he sent me out to radiology and they were talking about putting around doing the radiology to my neck, strapping my head down to a table and doing this radiology for like, I don't know, six, eight, 10 weeks. And I got scared. I mean, I remember asking if I could use the restroom. I think I vomited. But eventually I did some research and I decided to uh, pursue a surgery for the neck and throat. And I found a doctor that was uh, world renowned renowned, and he's from the University of, of Pittsburgh. And uh, he, uh, an Indian doctor that specializes in this uh, uh, nose and throat cancer. And we, we got this, uh, uh, the surgery done the day after uh, Christmas. And uh, he did a wonderful job. And there was no guarantees that I would ever be able to talk again, swallow, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the next day I was talking already. And you know, like I said, God was really looking for me for some reason or another. Well, that's, you're going kind of fast forward. Let me step back there. So you got two different kinds of cancer. So, yeah. I mean, this is a more complicated thing. So, I mean, you said that you went to the bathroom and vomited. Um, and, and that particular uh, meeting with the doctor, your diagnosis that you had cancer, were you there alone or were you there with your wife? Or like, I, you kind of went fast forward on me there. I, there mm. A lot happens right there. I mean, I'm a cancer survivor myself and mm. that's a moment of which is no other in your life. So, mm. um, I mean, you're obviously a fighter, mm. but uh, so kind of what would happen? So you got two different kinds of cancer. What, what, what was your head thinking? Well, uh, like I told you, I was by myself and I sort of maybe was in a little bit of a shock, maybe a little bit of denial to say, no, this can't be true. You know, like I said, I felt that I was somewhat healthy and I eat right. I don't do drugs. I don't drink much. I'm thinking now that you got to be thinking about somebody else. Wow. But um, I think I got the cold sweats and I got a little sick. Once I got my composure, they start talking about some of the options that we needed to, uh, you know, to talk about. And there wasn't much time to get it done. I mean, okay. So were you? What was your? Were you like a stage four cancer, or like the diagnosis was two different kinds of cancer? But how far along were they? Well, my 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 throat, my neck was stage two, and uh, my uh, colon cancer was stage three. Um, yeah, um, uh, we decided to one. do the neck and throat first because I, I guess that that was what the doctor thought might be the most uh, risky surgery. And uh, we did that, that we did at first, which was in December of 2018. And then in February of 2019, we went after the colon. So you went one surgery after another. Now, you were telling me that you were AHN with Dr. Thomas and UPMC with Dr. DeVore. So, Correct. I mean, this, this is, going through this is uh, just incredibly emotionally draining. As, mm -hmm. as well as physically draining. So you then pretty much decided on the diagnosis immediately you were you were prepared to go in for these operations. Right. I, I, like I said, I, I didn't think I had any other choice. I mean, you know, I have family, grandkids, uh, uh, newly married in 2015. And I just said, you know what, I, I just can't sit here and just feel sorry for myself. I got to get better. 
and I put my faith in God that you know He would do what was what was right. So we did the surgery in December, the surgery in February, and six months of chemo, and the chemo was horrible. I mean, I was sick as a dog, but I never missed a meeting with the city of Clarton. I was here constantly just to be a part of the city. I kind of didn't want to let anybody down, and I'm that kind of guy. I put myself second, but. It was a struggle. I was very tired and didn't feel well, but yeah, I pushed myself. So, and you said you took yourself to this. Now, kind of share with me in the experience of going through the treatments, uh, you mentioned a friend of yours, Dale, and Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't make it. And, you know, kind of share with me his influence on you. Okay, somewhere around February, early March, uh, Dale said, uh, Dale was off work too because we both were diagnosed with cancer around the same time. We both grew up in Clareton. We were both plumbers and we both got hired at the Urban Works US Steel. So we had the same similar lifestyles. So we, we had lunch together and he, he said, listen, I already started my first treatment or second. He said, I'm feeling fine. He said, you're young. He said, you're gonna do fine as well. He said, we're gonna beat this. Well, unfortunately, Dell's cancer got into his bloodstream and it traveled to the rest of his body. I don't think Dell made it five or six months. And like I said, but with, between Dell and my sister, I kind of felt guilty, like, you know, God, really? I mean, why are you sparing me? And these are two good people that are dead. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt guilty. I mean, I felt like, why me? And and like I said, still sometimes I, I get a little bit about that question and, you know, why some people can survive it and some don't. And maybe I'm needed here for something else or maybe they're supposed to be angels. I don't know. I believe that to be true. Um, with your fighting spirit and not really identifying with the cancer from the get, it's not surprising that you did heal. Um, you you were prepared for the battle that was ahead. Um, when somebody's lost, when you're going through the battle, I share that one with you also where you're in the same uh, mentality. It's like, it's kind of funny how cancer patients can have an unspoken language of understanding each other because of the emotions you go through and um the loss of of your friend dale uh, is is huge as well as your sister and and you're in the process of trying to heal so you can't be in 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 a bad space when you're trying to heal so um what are some of the things that you're doing practicing a new diet working on a new lifestyle because You've been given a a remission status of of what? It was April 2021. So you've come around the corner. It's like this is what every cancer patient wants to hear. They're in remission. So kind of share with us, um, you know, post-operation. This is still relatively recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still getting a, a, a PET scan or a CT scan every six months. and Yeah. And- that's correct. Yes, yeah. so I'll be getting another scan again in, in October, and after that, maybe we'll go once uh, a year after that. But uh, the doctor was satisfied with all my blood labs, and also, you know, obviously the the scan came back and everything was clean in remission. And I still feel a little bit uh, sluggish sometimes, and my mind is not as sharp as it once was. I can probably remember things like the back of my hand and. Every once in a while, I'm thinking about a contractor that we had here in the city five years ago, and the name escapes me. So yeah, I got to deal with that, but I'm going to say overall I'm healthy. So I was fortunate to retire with 30 years of service with U.S. Steel in, in February. So that's a big thing for me because, like I said, I I wasn't sure if I'd ever see retirement. So that was one victory there. And just uh, three weeks ago, election in um, in May, I ran for the mayor for the fourth time, and it's a four-year term. 
and I had two other competitors and it was hot and heavy. There was a little bit of ugliness in the election, but when it was all said and done, I was able to um, surpass uh, both candidates again. And I'm back as the mayor and, uh, and uh, for whatever reason, the people come out and uh, they believe in me and it makes me feel like that I owe them something. So while I'm retired, I'm actually spending more time on this mayor's job putting my boots on, helping the guys cut grass, working on a swimming pool, <laughs> repairing, repairing some some uh, some, um, some uh, plumbing leaks, uh, just helping people out that need help. And uh, I think that's what I do. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not into the dirty South straight, make a left and bottom Contact us. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. Let me kind of revisit one thing here, because I think what's real interesting is, is when you were diagnosed with the cancer, you mentioned that you didn't uh, drink and you maintain good, healthy habits as far as your lifestyle and what you put mm -hmm. into your body. So did any of that change after having the cancer? Like, are you doing the same things now you did before the cancer? Um, maybe a little bit better now. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably staying away from a lot of sugar. And, uh, you know, like I said, I only have something that's, uh, you know, like sugar, or ice cream, or even cake on a special occasion. I'm not going to eat that for breakfast anymore. And uh, <laughs> I'll stay with the cereal and uh, pop. I probably cut that out of my um, realm of possibility and probably more like the water and probably some uh, some products like the juices. And uh, I just uh, with the beer, uh, my wife, my wife and myself, we didn't have a drink in two years. And just recently I had a couple beers after the election, you know, just celebrate with a few friends and all that, but nothing crazy. So that's where I'm at. How about like, now I would presume you stayed spiritually strong listening to your story. Um, how about as far as like exercise? So your diet was in check. You you took observation on that. Uh, spirituality was strong the whole time. I believe that's why you're here. So um, do you exercise or like you're being the mayor, you could be in that office all day long if you wanted yeah, but that's that, that's uh, that's not the case. Um, I'm not that kind of mayor. Um, I'm the boots uh, on the ground kind of guy. And uh, yesterday I was at the community garden doing some work and going through towns, watching some of this construction that's just about to start or some that already has started. And um, I get up at seven in the morning and I get going and I don't stop until seven, eight at night. And probably nine, 30, 10, my wife wants to watch a movie and I don't get through the first half hour and the next morning I'm saying, Hey, how did it end? And she said, you should have stayed up. And I said, I tried, but that's my story. Yeah. I just keep going. Well, I, I just is so great to hear that you've experienced what you did and you lived to tell the tale. So uh, all of the guests that I have on leave your mark, I like to ask them the question, how would they like to be remembered or how would you like to leave your mark in this world when they say your name? What, were, what was your defining moment? Right. My defining moment is this. I'm a people person, and I, I met a lot of people over the years, even without the politics. Even when I did the, the grade school basketball, the athletic director, and a baseball coach, I see kids right now that I coached in baseball that made it to the University of Pittsburgh to play college football. When I see them on the street, I don't want anybody to say, hey, Merritt, they call me coach. And you know what? I, 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 get, I get like a little shaky and a little feeling there because I made an impression on them and maybe some of these kids didn't have fathers and they say, Hey coach, Rich, how you doing? Some of these kids are 25, 26, 27. They got tryouts with the NFL. And whenever I see them, they, Hey coach, Rich, how you doing? So they remembered something that I did for them that was special. And that just, that makes me go. That's, that's the gas in my, in my tank. 
that that was back to the sports. It, it, once it's in you, it's in you. You, you can't get away from it. So I want to thank you for being here today. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to check in and make sure you're doing well down the road here. But I uh, appreciate your time. Okay. And the last thing I can tell anybody, just don't give up. Just keep pushing and don't feel sorry for yourself. It, it'll work out. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click leave your mark with Vince Cortez.